a little something extra from the apple seed. And now, here's your host, Sam Payne. We always hope that the stories that we bring you on the show spark memories for you that you can share with the people that you love. And in that spirit, we often bring somebody that we like into the studio and listen to a story together and share some of the things that the story brings into our minds. I'm very happy to be joined in the studio today by certainly Jeff Simpson, our producer. Jeff, it's great to have you. Memories will be sparked. Memories will be sparked. That is a threat. (laughs) (laughs) And of course, we've also got Jacob Pierce with us. Jacob, what a pleasure to have you with us. It's great to be here, Sam. And if if you who are listening recognize that voice a little bit, we had Jacob on the show as part of a group that had produced a, a, a production, had mounted a production of the ancient play Antigone. And uh, Jacob served as the dramaturg for that production. And uh, again, it's great to have you back with us today to listen to a story. Very excited. So the story that we're going to listen to right now is from the wonderful UK storyteller, Shauna Lee. Now, Shauna Lee is uh, uh, one of the last in a long line of storytellers, a tradition called the Dritzilla tradition, passed down from grandmother to granddaughter, a canon of stories that includes some 4,000 stories. And again, it's a, it's a tradition of which there are not many practitioners left. And Shana Lee is one of those practitioners. And there aren't many recordings of Shana Lee stories. We've had her on the show. And in fact, you can find some terrific conversation with Shana Lee and some Shana Lee tales by uh, looking on our website, www.byuradio.org slash Appleseed. Enter her name in the search window, S-H-O-N-A-L-E-I-G-H, Shonali, to find all kinds of great stuff. And of course, all of the rest of the episodes of the show are there too. It's a, an archive with hundreds of episodes and thousands of stories for your listening pleasure anytime you like. That may be, in fact, where you're listening right now. Now, we want to bring this story to you. This was captured live at the Timpanogos Storytelling Festival, one of the largest storytelling festivals in the West, and uh, now going on three decades uh, of great storytellers taking those stages at uh, the Timpanogos Festival. This story is called The Scholar's Journey, Shana Lee, here on the Appleseed. Well, for me, the last story of the festival and I'm almost sad to be going home too. I have been welcomed, and my son and I were talking, and we said the word that comes to mind was we felt cherished. And it's been the most amazing experience for me. And I've done something. I've learned something. I've learned sometimes it's useful to have a few personal stories to tell, which I've shared with you. But I'd like to leave you with a story from the tradition And it's about what a woman thinks of her husband. There was once a scholar, a teacher, and in his youth he had been wild and raucous. But now, well, he enjoyed nothing more than going in, teaching his students that he who is above provides all. And at night he would go home to his little bachelor pad. He had short legs, short bowed legs, and a a little belly, you know, a little pot belly, 
And he was slightly bald with a kind of comb over. <laughs> We're not talking a catch here, ladies. <laughs> or are we? <laughs> so, this is what he would do every day. Now, in his wild youth, he had saved a junior demon. Now, in Jewish mythology, uh, the, the demons are allowed to do good things if they're training because God likes a balance. So you, you kind of have to run with me on this one just a little bit. <laughs> He'd saved Hobia from the musician that possesses the note that has the power to kill. And trust me, we all know musicians like that, don't we? <laughs> And because Hobbio was, was young in the art, he, he needed to repay the scholar, and he, he didn't know how to. And so he used to watch and wait and hear that the scholar would always say, he who above, is above provides everything. And one day, Hobbio came and whispered in the scholar's ear, if this is what you say, why don't you live by this? Why don't you just go and sit by the river and wait to be provided for? And it meant nothing. But one day... One day, he went into school. I'm sure this never, ever happens in Utah. And the children were playing up. And it was hot. And he could not make them listen. And he kind of lost his temper. And he went, enough! And he just left. He walked down to the river and he said, yes, I shall wait to be provided for. And do you know what happened? Absolutely nothing. <laughs> he sat there, and his stomach began to rumble. Oh, and, the, and the day passed into night, and the night passed back into day, and, and it felt like his backbone was touching his belly button. And he was so hungry. And then suddenly, he saw, bobbing down the river, a little package covered in vine leaves. He waded out into the river, picked it up, opened it up, and inside was halva. Do you know what halva is? It's kind of a sweet dessert that you have. You only have little pieces of it. Very, very sweet. It's made with sesame, honey, milk, rose water, and almonds. It actually looks like cement, if I'm brutally <laughs> frank. <laughs> so you kind of have to close your eyes when you eat it. Um, but it is, trust me, delicious. It was halva. Oh, and he ate and he ate and he ate. And it was so much fun to eat a whole slab of halva. He'd never been allowed to when he was a small boy, so he ate the lot. And then he sat there. And the next day, another package. And the next day, and another. And he thought, I wasn't wrong. <laughs> Fantastic. But this isn't what Hobbia was expecting. And so Hobbia went and whispered in the scholar's ear and said, Have you ever wondered where it comes from? He hadn't. And it's like I've said earlier, if I say to you, don't think of a pink elephant. <laughs> there it is. And this is now all he could think of is, where does it come from? I, I wasn't bothered before, but now it's really bothering me. And so he got up and he started to walk upstream and he saw the package. It arrived earlier each day, the further upstream he went. And he would eat and sleep and thank the Lord and carry on walking until eventually he went round a bend and the river opened out and there was an island 
And on that island, a beautiful palace. And that palace was linked to the mainland by a marble bridge. And as the little scholar kind of waddled up, a window opened. And the most beautiful woman he had ever seen in his life <gasps> threw a package covered in vine leaves into the river. He was overcome. He had to sit down. This beautiful woman has been moved by God to provide for me. I must go and thank her. Because he was from Yorkshire. <laughs> and so he, he kind of walked up in his own special way. And there was the bridge. And he went to walk over the bridge and... He couldn't walk over it. There was like an invisible force stopping him. He looked like a mime on a French plaza. <laughs> he just couldn't get over. And then he heard sniggering. This is your bit. Do you have that word here? Yeah. Then he heard sniggering. Yeah. That's laughter. Sniggering is more... <laughs> it's more muttly-like. And he turned around, and there were the heroes. He knew they were heroes. They were strong-limbed, straight-legged, slicked of hair. And every time they smiled, their teeth went, ding! <laughs> they wouldn't have looked out of place in a Disney cartoon. <laughs> they were sniggering at him. They said, little scholar, forget it. You'll never get across the bridge. We, with all our, our muscles, we've tried, and we haven't done it. Heroes are not very good at pronouncing things. <laughs> They're just not scholars, what can I say? They're very good at smiling and posing. But not very good with words. We've tried, but that bridge, well, the princess that lived there, her parents offended Ashmedai, king of the demons. Now nobody can get across. And so the scholar thought, well, how am I going to say thank you? She's so beautiful. She's lovely. And so, in the night... Hobya came to him, and Hobya said, look, I'm getting a really bad press down in Gehenna because, you know, I'm helping you out. He said, but what I want you to do is take this ointment because if you put this ointment on your eyes, you'll see that the bridge is guarded by demons and you'll be able to work your way around them and, and then you and I will be quits, yeah? You and I will be equal. I won't owe you anything and the demons owe me something, so they'll let you pass. You just have to pretend to fight them as you go across, all right? Okay, said the scholar. And he took the ointment and Hobbia left that story. And what happened next is another story for another time. So, no, no, stop, carry on. Right, so he gets to, he gets to the bridge and he can see the demons and they're there. Some are on horseback. Some have great swords. Some just have really bad breath, you know? <laughs> But he remembers what Hobbia said, and he's there, and he pulls up his pants, his trousers. I learned that was a harsh lesson yesterday. <laughs> and he smooths his hair, and he goes, yeah! And all the demons are going, all right, pass already. Well, he gets to the other side. This is your bit coming up, by the way. He gets to the other side. There is a cheer from the waiting women. 
There is a cheer from the heroes. Yay! Oh, that was good. I got goosebumps when you did that. Could, could we do it again? There was a cheer from the heroes. Yay! <laughs> and the waiting women, they ran. They ran to their mistress. They said, Madam, madam, your hero has arrived. And what does a woman do when her hero arrives? Well, first of all, she hides the power tools. <laughs> and the next thing she does is what my gran used to say, what my bubby used to say, she titivates. <laughs> and then she wafts. <laughs> Hashtag Disney. Do you know... <laughs> We call it Disney smug face at home. <laughs> anyway, and so what she does, she wafts. Her hero has arrived and she... <sighs> Wasn't quite what she was expecting, really. Possibly a little more hair, a little less belly and straighter legs. But you know what? He began to talk. And he knew stuff. And he made her laugh. Nobody had bothered to make her laugh. And they talked and talked, and to cut a long story short, they got married. They had two beautiful children. <sighs> but that's not the end of the story. Because a little later on, when those children were grown up, and again, I'm sure this never happens in Utah, ever, ever, the two children were arguing. <laughs> Unheard of, right? <laughs> You did that, you owed that, I took that, that's mine. No, yes, no, yes, I hate you, I love... Oh, stop, said the princess. Make up. Not everything is what it seems. You know, years ago, your father rescued me because he threw, thought that I threw halva into the river for him to eat. What he didn't realise was the island was cursed. We were short of space, and I'm a clean woman. Every day I like to bathe in milk. Oh, no. And then I would use honey and sesame and almond to get rid of all that dead skin off me elbows. <laughs> and, my and my heels. And then I would scrape it all off, wash myself in rose water, pack it all together in vine leaves and chuck it in the river. <laughs> what? strangled cry behind one of the pillars because the scholar staggered out. You see, he'd still been eating it. He'd got quite a taste for it. And she hadn't had the heart to tell him. And she said, what do you mean all these years I've been eating nothing more than your alluvial deposits? <laughs> and, as they say in Yorkshire, he was about to have a right go at her. And she stopped him. She said, no, 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 you wait. Nothing's what it seems. I didn't marry you because I thought that you were my hero. I knew about the deal with Hobbia all along. I married you because you made me laugh. I married you because you made my soul sing. I married you because you took my fears and you wove them together to give me a carpet to step on in the morning. And when I'm not being poetic, she said, I married you for a thousand 
unfathomable reasons and we have the rest of our lives to find them out. Tim Panogas, thank you so much for having me. Shauna Lee with a story called The Scholar's Journey, recorded live at the Timpanogos Storytelling Festival. You know, there was a moment in that story where you heard her say, but that's another story for another time. And it's part of the tradition from which she comes, the storytelling tradition that is hers, that when she says that, the audience has a choice whether they want to hear the, the rest of the story that they're hearing or whether they want her to tell the story that she has just announced as being another story for another time. And so there's always kind of a choose-your-own-adventure aspect of mm. a Shana Lee story. 4,000 of them she's got in her, in yeah. her brain. To put and, it in perspective, yeah. last year there was an announcement that came out that she was doing a two-and-a-half-day epic-long storytelling. It yeah. started on Thursday. It didn't end until Saturday. So that might be more what? like three days. Yeah. But she she was just told that entire time they had small meal breaks and you just went and... So she was filibustering the festival, it sounds like. <laughs> <laughs> and that, that that you're talking about, Jacob, was, was to be performed in a small venue like a home, right? Yeah, like a like a three day house concert, right? Yeah, just just there's a there's a there's a lot going on when you hear Shuttley tell a story. You know, the end of the story makes me think of my own wife. I'm more of a person that likes to be told that I love you. Yeah. Whereas my wife likes to be shown that, you know, yeah. like, well, go do all these chores and then I'll know that you love me type <laughs> thing. And uh at one point in our marriage, I think she just got tired of me you know, insisting that she tell me that she loved me. She, or like, why did you marry me? Or why do you love me? She started giving me, you know, at a birthday, Father's Day, Christmas, all these little written notes of reasons why I love you. Uh. Reason number such and such is, you know, you're, you make me laugh, which is interesting because at another time, she told me that had I not been in a comedy troupe in college, she probably would not have married me. So I guess it was a good thing I was funny. You are living that part, that, yes. that end of the story, right? Yeah. And she says, and now we have all these years to find out all those thousand reasons, or at least you're now learning yes. all the thousand <laughs> reasons why she married you in the first place. I think about that. I, You know, that there are some people who have like – a, a, a life's plan, you know, like mm -hmm. that you ask them and they can say, this is what I'm going to be doing five years from now. This is what I'm going to be doing 10 years from now. Or at least certainly they can tell you about what their plan is, what their ambitions are. Right. And this is the story of a of I, I, I relate to the guy whose whose life is kind of just sort of a series of. Well, I'm going to walk from here to here, and then I'm going to see what I can see from there. You know? Yes. And then I'll walk from there to somewhere else. That's like every day yeah. for me. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, Jacob, you're, we were talking before the mics went hot about uh, about you and about your family. You have a little one who is now learning to walk, which is a great adventure, right? Yeah. And and you're you're at you're at one end of that great adventure right of of getting married having a family and and uh and what an adventure that must be yeah it's definitely a an exploration one day at a time uh, now i can look back at stories like this where it talks about two people that meet each other and fall in love and get married and remember just how uh 
how horrible dating was. And it's okay because it's a phase of life that you get through. Yeah. But it was actually only horrible until I met my wife. Yeah. And then uh, we both made each other laugh. Uh, mm. And we, we have a grand time together. Mm. Um, and I wonder if the princess would really have been happy with any of these other guys that were – I'm sure they were they were great. They were extroverts. Uh, with all their Hollywood muscles. stars, yeah. all their muscles. <laughs> yeah. But uh, everyone has someone that compliments them yeah. in a in a way that maybe someone else can't, and that's okay. They probably found princesses that were perfect for them, but and it there's wasn't that, this princess. There's that horrible moment in the story where he realizes that what he thought was a carefully considered gift of food coming down the river. Oh. <laughs> you know? But I'll tell you what that reminds me of. You know, my grandfather, there's a, there's a family story in my family of my grandfather uh, going to a dance as a young man and meeting a girl and dancing very close to her, so close, the story goes, that he could feel her heart beating against his chest. Mm. And it was fluttering like a little bird's heart, you know. And he realized that that's what a young woman's heart felt like when the young woman who owned that heart was in love with you, you know? Yeah. And that turned their hearts to each other, and they got married. And by the time they got married, he had learned what she knew all along, which was that her the fluttering of her heart on the occasion of their first meeting was not due to her love for him, but due to a heart condition. Mm. <laughs> I yeah. mean, those, those things that we are so eager to interpret as, you know, kind of signifiers of undying love for us. <laughs> and it's really just, you know, what comes off in the bath or what. Or what yeah. you know? <laughs> Let's oh go eat. Yeah. <laughs> we, so often here, Jeff, we tell stories and you say, I'm really hungry after that story. And today somehow it's different. Today yeah. Somehow it's different. Yeah. Hmm. yeah. Well, while we're on the subject of food, that same bit of the story reminds me of why I don't always tell my wife what I put in what I make because I like to make up recipes as I go. Oh, which she yeah. is diametrically opposed to it has to be the recipe. You're um, one of those guys. I am okay. one of those guys. More <laughs> yeah. often than not, I would like to say it turns out okay, but I can't tell my wife what is in it or she'll be like, yeah. yeah. And then after yeah. the meal, you drop the bomb on them and they throw their hands in the sky and say, no, <laughs> <laughs> what did I just eat? <laughs> yeah. We, you know, not, not too long ago, we had a, a, a guest in the studio who talked about how his, it was very interesting. His mother is blind. Mm-hmm. And so she doesn't prepare recipes according to conventional measures. You know, she's got kind of her own way of making food in a way that's very difficult to describe to other people, a way that's very difficult to transfer, you know. But I think about, and it's probably very difficult for you to transfer your way of cooking to somebody else too, huh? If we want something made by Jacob, I mean, if we want, if we want one of Jacob's recipes, we got to go to Jacob's house. Right. Yep. Yep. That's You're welcome. Though it's a little far. <laughs> I require a list of ingredients before I show up, though. Yeah. Apparently. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, what a pleasure to share that story by Shonali, the scholar's journey with you. Thanks to Jacob and Jeff for joining me as well, and of course, thanks to you for joining us. Tune in for more Appleseed extras. You can find them at byuradio.org/appleseed or Google the Appleseed podcast. And of course, I can't wait to be with you for either an extra or a full hour-long episode next time you tune in on the Appleseed. Thanks for joining us for a little something extra from the Appleseed. Google the Appleseed podcast and subscribe for something new just about every day. 
The Appleseed with Sam Payne.